Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, this is the section of the show where we have token banter. So take it away, Russ. <laughs> See, he always does this when, when we're not ex- expecting. So if you're asking me, what did I not miss last week? <laughs> This is it. This is when it. I was fixing my fence, yes, uh, yes, you guys yes, were getting down yes, to the serious stuff. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> well, do you have any token banter, Jonathan? Oh, no. I, I offer no tokens. <laughs> <laughs> Everything well, is real. <laughs> well, if Phil was here, I know that he wouldn't let me down. He'd have some story. He, he'd pull out some movie quote or something. What was he quoting the other week? I, between I know the I two was quoting. You were quoting. Bueller, LSC. No, you were Dumb and Dumber. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. And the Lego movie. And the Lego, and the Lego movie. movie. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, um, unfortunately. And that's the quality you tune in for. Yes, that's right. Right there. <laughs> that's right. That's we have tens good, and tens of listeners. Yes, we do. <laughs> well, we are looking through the book of Psalms. Um, and Psalm 119 is where we're at. And we've been here a few days. It really is the the portrait of the of the Christian life, mm-hmm. and it, it's been kind of described in this way that the Christian life is kind of set up in three stages: how things ought to go, how things do go, and what is the ultimate goal. And it, it's just like this analogy of war: before you go to war, you you plan on how you want the war to go. You make tactics and and you conceive of your strategy. That's how things ought to go. But then when the war actually comes, how do things go? Well, not exactly like the way that you planned. You have to make adjustments and and you you lose battles. Uh, But then what is the ultimate goal? Well, the ultimate goal is that you would win. And that these three stages are the three stages of the Christian life. That how things ought to go, go, what is the ideal? And that you see this all throughout Psalm 119. You said this the other day, Russ, you quoted verse... 72, the law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. That's how the Christian should feel about the word of God. That's how we ought to feel. But that's not how things always go. Verse 25 says, my soul clings to the dust. He feels this this death in himself. But then what is the ultimate goal? Psalm 119 tells us that also in verse 111, he says, your testimonies are my heritage forever. So in other words, we will inherit God and the living word of God, Christ himself forever. And that's pretty much a description of the Christian life. Mm-hmm. Some people look at Psalm 119 and say, well, it, it's just saying the same thing over and over again. If, if I just start and read the first eight verses, I've kind of got the, the whole point. I'm just going to read it, just a short little excerpt out of Charles Spurgeon. Um, he wrote a book called God's Alphabet. And he says, Psalm 119 is a wonderful composition. It expressions, its expressions are as many as the waves of the sea, but its testimony is as singular as the ocean. The entire psalm deals with only one subject, although it consists of a considerable number of verses. 
Although some verses are very similar to others, the exact thought is not repeated throughout its 176 verses. There's always a shade of difference, even when the color of the thought appears to be the same. Some have said it lacks variety, but that is merely the observation of those who haven't studied it. I have weighed every word and looked at each syllable with extended meditation, and I bear witness that the sacred song has no redundancy in it, but is charmingly varied from beginning to end. And I would just um, echo Spurgeon and say, I don't think you'd be disappointed if you spend some extended time thinking about reading, meditate, storing um, Psalm 119 in your heart and in your mind. Well, it was actually meant to be memorized. Yes. Uh, not because we have a verse that says memorize Psalm 119, but the, the way that it was composed, it's an acrostic. Well, why did God make it into an acrostic? Right. In each, in each of these stanzas, each of these uh, sections of the psalm begin with a, you know, each line begins with a particular letter of the al- Hebrew alphabet. And so that was a memory device. But, and so the, it's, a, it's an intricate con- composition. It's, it's, it's very delicately woven together. So you have the, these words well chosen to point to those different aspects of the Christian life, as you mentioned. That's right. So I think some of these stanzas uh, flow not just chronologically in order, but also they're connected theologically. And I think that's how this next section is. We looked last time at verses 145 through 152, and it really dealt with that experience of feeling deserted by God. Even though that's not objective reality, there's a sense sometimes where the lights go off in our life. And verses 153 through 160 now kind of gives the prescription for how do you recover from that kind of spiritual desertion. So, uh, Russ, you want to read that for us? Look on my affliction and deliver me. This is really where we're missing Phil, his deep um, (laughs) resonance. Resonance, yes. So, I'll just lower your voice a little bit. I just can't do it. (laughs) So, anyway, here we go. Look on my affliction and deliver me, for I do not forget your law. Plead my cause and redeem me. Give me life according to your promise. Salvation is far from the wicked, for they do not seek your statutes. Great is your mercy, O Lord. Give me life according to your rules. Many are my persecutors and my adversaries, but I do not swerve from your testimonies. I look at the faithless with disgust because they do not keep your commands. Consider how I love your precepts. Give me life according to your steadfast love. The sum of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous rules endures forever. Mm. Amen. Well, there's, there's, like what we've said before, one of the ways that we can kind of discover the theme in each stanza is just simply ask, what is being repeated here? Other than the word, which we know is repeated throughout the the whole psalm, what's being repeated here? There's a plea for life, a a fullness to his life, a a renewal of life, um, you know, before God. Yeah. Yeah. He says three times in verse 154, give me life according to your promises, Verse 156, give me life according to your rules. And verse 159, give me life according to your steadfast love. Now, those he, he says three different things, and he says three things that are the same. First of all, he says, give me life. So what kind of life is he asking for here? 
I would say it's the life that only can be found with the renewing work of, of God's Spirit in, in our hearts, the life of, of being a child of God. Right, so he's already a... He's already a Christ, Christian to mm-hmm. use kind of a mm-hmm. you know you know uh, an ac- anachronistic phrase. He's already a child of God. Mm-hmm. He's he's alive physically, but he he senses kind of a a spiritual lethargy or or deadness. Do you guys think that's accurate? Well, I think it's it's what we are always in need of. Um, we we are constantly needing to be renewed and transformed and conformed. And so it's an ongoing prayer of every child of God. Um, give me life. Give me greater life. I mean, the idea is that we're constantly growing in our knowledge of God. We're constantly growing in grace, um, which is is life. Um, so I think this is the should be the cry of every child of God. Well, I think that what there's a contrast here because as he's talking about these things, he's talking about his persecutors and adversaries and the faithless people that, he, that are around him. And very often we're drugged back down to that lowest common denominator. You know, that um, we find ourselves in the midst of unfaithful people and there's a, there's a, a pull on our spirit in a downward direction. And uh, he's feeling that, he's, you know, he's feeling uh, that, kind of awareness, just kind of creeping, corroding awareness in his own life. Mm-hmm. And he's asked, and he's and he's wanting he's wanting life, that free life according to God's promises. He's wanting that the freedom of his promises. He's wanting the the life of those testimonies, um, life that's found in the steadfast love of God. You know, because yeah, I, I'm 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 with the Walking Dead here, mm-hmm. and I want to be I want to walk in the land of the living. Yeah, absolutely. So this this plea, "Give me life," is then followed by those three things that you just mentioned, Jonathan: His promises, God's rules, and then God's steadfast love. Can you guys help? Kind of, why would he pray for those three things? That God would give him life through the means of those three things, and how do those three things actually renew the life of the Christian? Um, I'm sure most of you have have sung um, "Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing," and there's this line in the the hymn that says, "Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to to leave the the one I love," and and that that unfortunately is the storyline of every child of God that we're prone to wander. And so each day is really a call for revival in our own hearts so that we don't go astray. Well, God uses what would be referred to as the means of grace to help us um, stay close to him, to, to have true spiritual life. Um, this, the New Testament would, would say that it's about walking with the Spirit, keeping in step with the Spirit. Well, what, how do you do that? Well, you go back to the sure promises of God's word. This is what Jonathan was talking about in yesterday's show. If you missed that, that he was saying that David was was clinging to God's covenant promises, and we have to remind ourselves: Well, what has God said is true about us in Christ? What has mm-hmm. He promised in His Word? So that's the first part, and then it goes. The next part is: What has God given me life according to Your rules? Well. The rules of God, the laws of God, the commands of God really are a reflection of the character of God. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's saying, give me life according to me being in conformity to you. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then last, he's saying, 
give me life according to your steadfast love. Because at the end of the day, we are going to continue to falter. We're going to fall short. We're going to struggle to remember God's promises. We're going to struggle to believe God's promises. We're going to struggle to keep God's law. And then we have to come back and say, but even in those, I can I can rest in the fact that God's steadfast love for me doesn't depend upon my performance. Mm-hmm. You, you mentioned the, the means of grace and how he's involved in one sense in the means of grace. And one of those means is, of course, uh, you know, grace comes to us through the Word of God, mm-hmm. um, uh, and you know, for us it, in the church, we think of that as through the preached Word, through the read Word uh, of God. That's a means of grace. One of the means of grace is the affirmations that come to us through mm-hmm. the, the sacraments, through through baptism and the Lord's Which Supper. Which are really God's promises. The, those are the those are the promises. Those are the confirmations of the promises. Those are the the seal on the promises of God, and then. The, the psalmist himself is involved in one other uh, means of grace. You know, sometimes we have identify that as prayer, yeah. and here and 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 so he's being renewed in in, in by praying these things, mm-hmm. but also renewed by remembering the promises and the very word of God. That's right, and that's how this verse, this psalm ends in verse one sixty. The sum of your word is truth. And every one of your righteous rules endures forever. That that's like the the, the culmination of everything that he's hoping in. Mm-hmm. And so let me just, if you're in a season of either spiritual desertion or or you're in a season of needing to be revived and you're doubting the promises of God, just listen to this. If you're asking the question, "Does God love me?" That's actually the wrong question to ask. The right question to ask is, "Is God's word true?" And if God's word is true, then you. Child of God, you know he loves you. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if you are in Christ Jesus, there's no question he loves you. And that's why he ends with this, the sum of your word is truth. He's putting all of his confidence in the word of God. Well, you've been listening to the Gospel for Life. We hope that you've been edified through this, uh, this kind of survey of Psalm 119. And we uh, hope to see you next time. 